This is the Cultural Quarter of an Hour podcast and I'm Charlotte Foster. Every week we'll be looking at the culture all around Stoke-on-Trent and North Staffordshire. Some weeks I'll be visiting events, others I'll be hearing the stories of the people who make this area what it is. Now, when you think of culture, you might just think of dusty museums, art galleries full of paintings or people in ball gowns playing violins. But actually, it's so much more than that. It's all around us. Welcome to this week's edition of Cultural Quarter of an Hour. Um, Just to let you know, I am recording this in my kitchen because today, Tuesday the 8th of August, otherwise known as Oat Cake Day. Yes, the day we celebrate the food of the gods, let's be honest. I managed to celebrate by eating three oat cakes and in the Foster household there is a bit of a dispute about what should go in an oat cake. For me it is sausage, mushroom and cheese with brown sauce. Very, very important that it is brown sauce. The husband on the other hand, he has to have bacon, cheese and mushrooms and he has to have red sauce. I don't know if if that's right i just can't bring myself to have red sauce on my oat cakes been finding out what you guys have on your oat cakes as well my name's emily and i'm from silverdale quite simply just cheese and bacon really in our household or or even just cheese uh, most of the time my daughter absolutely loves oat cakes and cheese she'll have them even when we go out for lunch most times we used to live in Hanley when I was younger and we had um, what we called the hole in the wall um, and it was an oat cake shop which literally the the guy used to serve the oat cakes through the window and um, whenever we used to go and get a dozen oat cakes he always used to throw in a couple of baby oat cakes as well just the smaller ones that he used to do for kids Uh, we used to get pie cuts from there as well which were were really nice but yeah I always remember going to the hole in the wall it was uh, something we used to do on a Sunday morning with my dad. I'm Claire from Clayton. Easy way, especially good after a hangover. Cold oat cake with tomato sauce on rolled up. So there are worse combinations. My brother, oat cake with lemon curd on. And I'm, don't forget, I'm from the catering industry as well. And it has been known when I was working up in the Lake District, we ran out of pancakes and I got some oat cakes in the freezer. And we use those instead of the, oat cake, the pancakes. <laughs> My name's Andrew Knowles, I'm from Stockton Brook. Uh, I'm traditionally so I like bacon and cheese. Yeah, nothing, don't, not, but a bit of black pudding now and again is always good. Uh, but uh, I'm quite particular about where I get my oatcakes from as well. High Lane, they're my favourites. Other people don't like them, I particularly like theirs. I think they're just nice and thin, nice and tasty, I like them. Hi, I'm Tracy and I'm from Burslem. I'm Becky and I'm from Bradwell. My favourite is bacon cheese with brown sauce and they have to be from High Lane, no other. They just make the nicest oat cakes. Um, either I can eat them plain, obviously with loads of butter, uh, but no, I do like their over-the-counter already made-up ones, so they're the best. Uh, just plain cheese with tomato sauce. Occasionally sausage and cheese with tomato sauce uh, from Tunstall. Me and my ladies, I think it's called. That's just where we've always gone, ever since I was tiny. <laughs> we occasionally have had povies, um, and they just seem to taste nice. They look better. They, they cook better. <laughs> 
What I've really enjoyed about oatcake day today is not just eating a lot of oatcakes. I mean, that is brilliant. But what I have really enjoyed as well is just seeing the reaction, especially on social media, watching Twitter today, seeing oatcake day trending in the morning, obviously when we're all eating our oatcakes for breakfast. But it's getting the message out there about Stoke-on-Trent and about Staffordshire. Because you're getting people going, I don't understand. I thought oatcakes were those biscuits from Scotland. And we're getting the chance to go, well, actually, no, this is something special about Stoke-on-Trent and North Staffordshire. This is part of our heritage. This is part of our history. This is part of our culture. So while you're eating your bacon and cheese or your cheese and your sausage, it's more than just a breakfast. It's more than just your lunch. It's more than just a snack. It's so much more. It is part of our lives. It is part of our culture. And that message has really got out there today. But the sharing of this passion is so important because it's that which really started the ball rolling when it comes to the city of culture bit. I remember it was June 2015. When uh, Paul Williams walked into the studios at BBC Radio Stoke where Stuart George and I were presenting the breakfast show and came on to talk to me about a blog he'd written. Look where we are now. Well, I thought it was about time I caught up with Paul Williams to see how things have been going recently. Apart from pretty well getting shortlisted and all that. We had a chat and met up at Middleport Pottery. Middleport Pottery in in many ways represents the transformation that we're seeing across Stoke-on-Trent. We, we, we are aware, of course, of the, the £9 million investment in Middleport Pottery on the back of the work that the Prince's Regeneration Trust did. But what we're seeing now is, is a, a cultural asset, um, a pottery, a Victorian model pottery, which is very much part of our heritage, coming back to life. And whenever I talk about um, industrial heritage, we often think about redundant factories that become museums, but museums that don't have any life to them. Here at Middleport, it's very much living heritage. So we've got the fact that Burley are still producing their wonderful ware here. Um, But we walk down this little alleyway and we can see studio potters and artisan um, outlets and craftspeople just doing the things that excite them and are sort of bringing life back into this wonderful, wonderful heritage attraction. It also fascinates me being here at Middleport that... This is not just a heritage attraction, it's actually now a destination. People are making the choice to come to Stoke-on-Trent because they want to visit Middleport Pottery. Now you're proudly wearing your Stoke-on-Trent City of Culture 2021 badge. It's been an eventful few weeks, hasn't it? It's been an eventful few weeks. It's actually been an eventful two years. And and, and you'll know, Charlotte, um, since we first started talking about some crazy idea to progress with a City of Culture bid for Stoke-on-Trent. So in many ways, it has been eventful over the last sort of 18 months, two years. But the last few weeks has, has culminated in so much good news to make the shortlist of the five cities that are now going to be in the national spotlight for the rest of the year to sort of get people to have another look through a different cultural lens around the wonderful things that are happening here in Stoke-on-Trent is, is really exciting. Take me back to 2015 when you first wrote that blog post. When you pressed enter, submit, put it online, what were you expecting to happen? Come on, Stokies, who's up for a culture bid? Uh, I remember it well. 
Um, in many ways, I wrote, I wrote the blog in response to the fact that DCMS had made the decision to continue with the UK City of Culture competition. Um, Derry London Derry were the first winners. Um, we knew that Hall had just been announced as, as the successor to Derry um, and, and have hosted a really successful City of Culture year this year. Um, but at that particular time, you start to think, you know, why not Stoke? And, and in many ways, we don't give ourselves enough credit for the wonderful cultural heritage, for the investment in contemporary arts, for the fantastic work that Appetite have been doing to engage more people into art and world-class culture here in the city. Why not Stoke-on-Trent? You know, if Hulk can do it, if Derry can do it, Stoke-on-Trent could certainly do it. So I wrote the blog in the hope that we would just get um, a level of interest that allowed us to go forward and to say, well, okay, this is, this is doable. What do we need to do to really make it happen? But I was overwhelmed. And, you know, yourself and Stuart on The Breakfast Show at the time were instrumental in getting that message out there. The, uh, the Sentinel newspaper, of course, they ran their infamous online poll, um, you know, should Stoke bid to be the city of culture? I could have given everybody the answers there and then. If people don't understand the competition, why would they say that we should go ahead and enter this particular um, campaign? So, so um, what did I expect? I did not expect to be overwhelmed by offers of support. My, my um, social media and my Twitter timeline went through the roof. People saying, look, I get it. I want to be part of it. What can I do to help? Uh, can we meet up? And of course, there were other conversations happening around, around the city at the time. So writing it in a way that um, at least people would be more aware of what a UK City of Culture competition could do, I certainly did not for one minute think that we'd be here now. Over the past two years, how much has this taken over your life? Um, well, it's taken over my life um, in, in, in many ways. It had started to take over my life, certainly when I was still doing my uh, role as head of the business school at the university. It, um, it took over my life in a more full-time basis as I went on secondment to the point now where this is, this is what I do. You know, I, I'm passionate about pushing forward the cultural agenda here in Stoke-on-Trent. Um, there is no way that I could walk away from the City of Culture bid at this moment in time. Um, and actually, it's just the right thing to do. I think it would be difficult for me, um, in terms of credibility, to say that we should all be backing the bid, getting behind the bid, doing what we can do to support the bid, and then saying to everybody, I'm actually going back to my day job now. You mentioned pushing forward the, the cultural agenda of Stoke-on-Trent. What do you see as the cultural agenda then? Um, I think this cultural agenda can be what we want it to be. Um, again, I've said on a number of times, um, nobody defines culture for us. I have my own view on what culture is, but actually it doesn't matter what my view of, of, of what culture is and how we might define it. In the same way, you'll have a view of what culture is and, and the things that you particularly enjoy doing. But it's what we all collectively want culture to be and to mean here in Stoke-on-Trent. It's the things that give a little bit of buzz and colour and animation and excitement to our daily lives. And if we can garner that in some way and we can bottle it so we can develop a, a cultural programme and a cultural offer that is uniquely Stoke, that when people look at it they can actually say, do you know that bid or that cultural programme or that cultural offer in Stoke-on-Trent 
it can it's captured the essence the character the personality Do you know it's something that only stoke-on-trent can deliver for all the right reasons are there any people who at the beginning were quite resistant to the idea thought that you had maybe lost the plot a little bit and you've managed to turn them around I, I think we've been on a journey and and that journey has um, gradually turned some of the naysayers and detractors um, around that they're, they're very much on board in a way that um, they certainly weren't at the time but as I said you know if they don't understand what city of culture is all about the difference it can make to people's lives you know this is this is a game changer for the city this is this is um, this is going to deliver transformational change, the like of which we have not seen in Stoke-on-Trent for some considerable time. It will impact on on educational attainment. It will impact on health and well-being. It will raise young people's aspirations. I already detect, you know, a, a renewed sense of confidence, belief, and ambition. People people are now standing up and saying, "This is Stoke-on-Trent. This is my Stoke-on-Trent. This is why people should come and back Stoke-on-Trent." And I think we've done that over the course of the of, of the last 18 months, the journey that we've been on. So we've turned many people around. But when I say we've turned them around, you know, don't for one minute think Paul Williams has turned them around. Many, many, many people have been part of this journey. You know, we think about the engagement with communities that Nick Grattan has led through the social and community work that she's involved in. We think about the work that Susan Clark has been doing from a cultural programming point of view to try and get a sense of, you know, what should culture be and, and what should we present to the nation from here in Stoke-on-Trent, made in Stoke-on-Trent, delivered to the UK. And that's got a resonance that, again, I'm really proud that the, the cultural programming through through Susan's work has been able to, to um to deliver, I look at the work that um, that Andrew Palmer has um, has led from the campaign perspective. But ultimately, you know, I have to say, and um, we wouldn't be here today having a conversation about being shortlisted for City of Culture, about taking forward a new cultural renaissance in the city without strong, effective leadership, without investment in the cultural infrastructure, and without um, establishing creative partnerships. You know, whether we get to host the UK City of Culture in 2021 or not, that leadership will still be delivering. Those creative partnerships are part of the legacy and the sustainability. You know, these are the people that will take forward the cultural agenda, whether we host it. We have a plan B. We don't want to reveal much about the plan B just yet because, of course, we're still in the competitive stages of, of the bidding process. But we are going to take this forward, come what may. I was going to say, you did mention there is a real positive atmosphere. I've noticed people lifting their heads a little higher, a little spring in people's steps since the announcement that the shortlist was here. How do we keep that feeling going? First of all, we keep smiling and, and you know, there is a spring in people's steps and everybody is starting to smile and believe in, in their city and that this is our time. You know, that's something else we shouldn't lose sight of. It just feels like it stokes time. We need to capitalise on that time, and as you say, we need to keep that going in some way. Well, I've already just um, mentioned about the establishment of um, creative partnerships. There are many, many partnerships now that are working collaboratively in a way that they were not working collaboratively before. They're putting in new funding applications, which is allowing them to continue the great work that they've already started. 
Um, and we're having cultural conversations. You know, you and I are here in Middleport now talking about culture, but many people are blogging about culture. They're vlogging about culture. They're having conversations in the street about culture. I go to the pub and people want to talk to me about culture. That's what will sustain this, this, this um, you know, irrespective of whether we get to host it in 2021 or not. How excited are you for the rest of this year, the rest of the bid submission and the future for, for Stoke-on-Trent? I'm, I'm naturally excited, Charlotte, um, but I'm, I'm probably more excited for the people of the city. You know, I keep saying this is, this is not Paul Williams' City of Culture bid, it's not Councillor Abbey Brown's City of Culture bid, it's not Stoke-on-Trent City Council's City of Culture bid. It's a bid for the city by the, by, and by the people of the city. We've engaged in all communities. All communities have had an opportunity to inform the way in which the bid has been developed. Um, so I'm excited for, for the people of the city. You know, it, it is recognition that, that we're on the cusp of something special. We're on the cusp of something exciting. We're on the cusp of people now starting to look at Stoke-on-Trent in the way that Darren Henley, the, the chief executive of the Arts Council, did when he visited last year and say, do you know, there's a cultural buzz in Stoke-on-Trent. Now we have to get behind that and really believe that it is our time. Don't forget, you can follow us on social media. On Twitter, it's at CQHpod. And on Facebook, you're looking for Cultural Quarter of an Hour podcast. It is the best way for you to get in touch. If you want to let me know if you think there's anything I need to be talking about, guests I can talk to, that sort of thing, please get in touch. Some of you have done that already. Thank you so, so much. And of course, don't forget to download the podcast every Wednesday.